Good morning. Glad to see you here this morning. It is a bit chilly outside, but I'm thanking God we don't have seven feet of snow. So <laughs> it's great to have you here this morning. I want to welcome those that are joining us online. Uh, excited to be here this morning. My name's Ron, and I'm the I serve as director here at the Green Campus, and I enjoy being on the teaching team. So it's good to be back up here this morning and share with you in the Five Valuables series as we look at this morning being centered in on what truly matters, and we're going to look at that. I want to just start out with a brief story, and this is, this is quite a few years ago. Um, I'd have to count them up, but it's several decades ago. A little boy who grew up to love trains. Now, maybe some of you like trains. He loved trains. He loved the sound, the power, seeing them rush by on the tracks. He enjoyed hearing the whistle. And so his parents, they got him one of those, those wooden train whistles. They got him a wooden train. He could run around his room all day long. And then they eventually got him an electric train. He could sit there with the remote control and, and let it go around the room. And, and so he, he just grew to, to really enjoy Locomotives, whether they were, they were with steam or with diesel, that was not a problem. He just loved the engines. One day, one night, his parents were pulling up to a, uh, a set of tra- railroad tracks. The lights start going off, they slow down, they stop at the tracks. And his dad turns around to him and says, what do you think about that? And, and the little boy in the back seat said, what? What? And his dad's like, well, the, the train that's running now right in front of us. And the little boy said, I don't see anything. What train? What train? And his parents very quickly figured out it was time to go to an eye doctor. Because all he could see was lights, blur, fuzzy. And it was time to go, go ahead and get an, get an eye doctor. This boy's four years old, right? He's young. You wouldn't think that you'd need to get glasses, but he needed to get glasses. Maybe some of you have seen, have had that type of an experience where gradually life got a little more blurry and the things that you could see around you and you had to one day go to an eye doctor and get things cleared up. Beyond that, that's physical, right? I have glasses. In fact, I was a little boy, <laughs> so I can relate to that. Uh, maybe, maybe you've had a similar experience, but I believe many of us in this room have had a spiritual experience like this, where we're walking through life, and there's darkness all around us, and the devil is at work, and we don't see it. We're oblivious to it. But one day we meet Jesus, and he changes all that, doesn't he? And we begin to see things clearly, they see things differently. We have a different focus in our life. It's like putting on spiritual glasses. It's awakening to, the, to the, the, the spiritual truth around us. But I believe sometimes in life, sometimes in life, things can get cloudy again. Some of you have had eyeglasses. How, how many of you have had to... You get them the first time, but that's the only time you've ever gone to an eye doctor. Never had to get another checkup again. Not me. I've been to eye doctor almost every year in my young life, and then eventually not as much. But we have to get eye checkups. The same thing spiritually. 
little by little, life around us can cloud things and we stop seeing what really matters. And so we're living in, just think, think with me for a minute about the type of world we're living in. How fast do things change now? If you're young, you've grown into that. It's always changed fast. For some of us who have lived a few more decades, it seems like it's speeding up, doesn't it? Uh, just the information age that we're, we're coming out of and technological age and all of that, uh, information doubles every three or so years. The technology changes very rapidly. The phone in your pocket will be obsolete another couple years from now, maybe next month. Uh, it happens so fast. So we're in this time of great change. We're in a, we're in a time of, of uh, just division, struggle. We're, we're in an economic uncertainty, aren't we? Things around us don't look as clear as they once did. And the people around us are in that same situation. I hear voices all the time yelling tolerance. Tolerance. But those same voices loudly will say are intolerant to anyone who disagrees with their view of tolerance. Have you ever experienced that? We live, we live in a, a country it has luxury at our fingertips. It's very easy today to do things that 100 years ago were just un, unheard of. We could jump on a plane tomorrow and be across the country for a Thanksgiving meal in a couple days. And it only takes a couple hours to get there. We can jump in our car and do the same thing. We, we can have a phone that has the information of the internet right there in our pocket. We, we have luxury at our fingertips... But I've been looking at studies this week, and this is, this is how many studies uh, from a bunch of different research groups describe America right now. Unprecedented levels of unsatisfaction and unhappiness. And we, have, we could have everything, right? But yet we're unsatisfied and we're unhappy. There's record highs right now of pessimism, of worry, of frustration. And yet we, we have so much. We're going into a week where we're going to be able to give thanks. There's so much to give thanks for. <clears throat> and I hope as we, as we look at, at uh, God's word this morning, we'll have more to give thanks for. But we live in a country that is very pessimistic, very frustrated. For many, it's hard to see the way forward. It's gotten cloudy. But maybe there's a way to cut through the clouds. Maybe we need a new set of glasses. Maybe we need to stop for a minute and see what matters the most and allow that to clear, clear the vision up. The good thing is there's been Christians in the past that have, they've had the same type of difficulties. They've had the same worries. They've had the same struggles. And so there was a a tiny band of Christians in the town of Philippi many, many years ago that were struggling with some of these same things. And we're going to look at them this morning. This band of believers was suffering for their faith. We live in an intolerant world. Well, the intolerance of their world, they were receiving persecution for. It had gone to the next level. And they lived in a wealthy society, an indulgent society, a society that embraced many, many gods, tolerance, but yet said they were not tolerant of the one and true God. And so there was persecution for these, these Christians at Philippi. 
not only that, the person who had shared the gospel with them first, the person who gave them the good news, the truth, that they had accepted and were saved through, the person who had shared Jesus with them, you could call him their leader, Paul, was in prison. So they're being persecuted. Their leader's in prison. And then they were very concerned for Paul. So they sent a group of people to go see Paul. They sent one specific friend, Epaphroditus, to care for him, to be with him in prison. And their friend became deathly ill. Deathly ill. So the, the Philippians, they're dealing with all these struggles. They're being persecuted. Their leader's in prison. Their friend is, is next to death's door. And they're worried for him. And they're struggling. And their view is a little cloudy. They're forgetting what matters most. And they need their vision cleared up. In a way, they were just trying to survive just trying to get to the next day, not sure what that next day would bring. Have you ever felt like that? Anyone feel like that right now in the world around us? What if there's a way to cut through those clouds, to see what truly matters, and to have our vision cleared up so that we can thrive and not just, not just survive? If you would turn with me this morning to the book of First. Not first. I knew I was going to say that. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. And my clicker's not going. Could you guys advance me in the back? Now it is. Retract it. <laughs> um, if you join me in the book of Philippians, we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1. And I'd love you to turn in your, your copy of the Bible or in your Bible app and, and click to Philippians. I'll be in, in at the NLT. If you would like a Bible, uh, we have them in the seats in front of you, and we'll be on page 946. Uh, if you'd like to keep that Bible, we'd love you to take that as, as our gift. So join me in, in Philippians as we see what Paul has to say to this battered group of questioning believers. And I'm going to jump into verse number 3. As Paul is, is thanking God for them and thanking them. Uh, take a look at verse 3. Paul says, every time I think of you. Now that's a lot. So every time you popped in my mind, I give thanks to my God. You wish you had someone that every time they thought of you was thanking God for you. Paul does that with the Philippians. He says, whenever I pray. So not just whenever I pray for you. Whenever I pray. I remember, I make my request for you, for you, for all of you with joy. So whenever I go to God in prayer, I'm praying for you. I'm requesting for you. I'm doing it in joy for you. He says, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. From the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ, Jesus, returns. Now, Paul is thankful for them. What does it center into? Why is he thankful? Because they are partners with him in spreading the good news. That's why he's thankful. They are partnering with him. 
And he says, from the first time you heard it until now, so as soon as you embrace the gospel, as soon as you embrace the good news, you were, you were sharing that. So you're not only telling other people, and then we know from other places in, in uh, Paul's writings that they financially supported him as well. They partnered with Paul in the mission of spreading what Paul says is the good news about Christ. And then Paul reminds them, they're discouraged, they're down, they're struggling to see the way forward. But Paul reminds them that God has a plan and he's not finished with that plan. And that can matter to each one of us. No matter how discouraged we are, down we are, God's not done yet. He's not finished. He's got a plan. Take a look at the next couple verses. Paul says, So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of what? The good news, right? The good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And Paul is pouring out his heart. He says, I love you. I'm a partner with you. And our partnership surrounds this core, the good news. The good news. And he, he says they, they are with him in defending and confirming. And just think of those two things. Defending, they were speaking up for the faith and explaining it. So they were, they were sharing with others what they knew about Christ. And then confirming it, they were living that out in their life. They were living a life that pointed back to Jesus, showing, showing Jesus in their lives. Verse 9, Paul prays for them. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and more. They just, it would overflow to, to each other, and then it would overflow to other people, that their love would overflow. He says, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. Paul is praying that their vision would be cleared up, that they'd be able to put on the glasses and see what truly matters. Even in all the discouragement and the struggle and the trying to survive, that they would be able to see what truly matters. He goes on and says, So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So you be effective in your life. He says, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. What's the result of focusing on what matters? Fruit. Living for Christ. That Christ would be magnified. And that fruit would come out of our life. That we would impact other people. Paul goes on, he says, The righteous character produced in your life by Christ and by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul is reminding them that God has a plan for them. That God is not done with them. And even in the discouragement, they put their glasses back on and see what really matters, that they'll have a fruitful life. Take Paul, for example, just, just for a minute. Think about Paul. We, we talked a little bit about that last week. Justin kind of explained some of what Paul had been through in his life prior to salvation. And if you think about Paul, he began his life focused on religion, focused on accomplishment. 
focused on trying to live the works of religion. One of those works was persecuting Christians. Paul was a Christian terrorist. He, he was there to take out the early church. But when Paul met Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed. God gave Paul new sight. And it wasn't just physical. He was able to see what truly matters. And so when Paul talks to the Philippians, he puts himself up as the example. Because in his life, everything changed. And he centered in on what truly mattered. Just take a look at verse 12. And then, and then I want to talk about some of what Paul, Paul says here. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. And he's going to go on to talk about some of the things that happened to him. Okay? Uh, Justin mentioned a little of that last week. But he's saying that it's all good because it's helped to spread the good news. His focus is on what truly, truly matters. What are some of the challenges he was facing? And it comes up in the following verses. He's in prison. He's in prison and he's chained to the prison guards. And Paul says, I lack my freedom. I can't go out. I'm stuck here in this house. I'm chained to a prison guard. None of that matters. What matters is I actually got to share Christ with the prison guard. And they took it to the next guard, took it to the next guard, and it's expanding through the whole palace guard. The good news spread. Paul talks about other Christians who who gained a new focus and said, if Paul can handle this and Paul can go to prison, then I can be bold for my faith. And Christians were going out and spreading the good news. Paul was able to influence them. He says it's all good. He also talks about the struggles. There's some people that had poor motives and said, well, Paul's in prison. Great time for me to build my brand. (laughs) I can step up and I can take over and I can be the next Paul. And they were kicking Paul when he was down. And they were pursuing their own agenda. And Paul says, you know what? Okay, poor motives. But that doesn't matter. Because they're still sharing the good news. (laughs) The message is still getting out. And Paul is able to say, I can even be happy about that. Because what truly matters is Jesus is being spread. The message is going out. Paul goes on to talk about some of his tensions. He, he has had some struggles. He's, it's been a long road, a lot of miles, a lot of jail cells, beatings, lonely nights. And Paul struggles in this passage, in this chapter, and says, you know, I'd really like to just be with Jesus. I'd like to go to heaven. I'd like this struggle to be over. But Paul says he is still willing to serve. And here's his reason why. Take a look at verse 25. Paul says, Knowing this, all the things that we just summarized, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. What does it come back to? I want to help you be effective in your faith. I want you to enjoy your your salvation. I want you to center in on the good news. He says, and when I come to you again, 
I believe I will. Uh, When I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. I can endure because of what it'll mean in your life. Why? Because of the good news. Because of the good news. Paul could see through the difficulties because he had his good news glasses on. He could thrive on what really mattered and he could help the Philippians thrive on what really mattered. It's so easy in life to get off track. It's so easy to get off track and lose clarity, to forget what really matters and get stuck on all the other things that are spinning around us and the the world that looks out of control. But to gain clarity, sometimes we have to keep the main thing the main thing. Why could Paul remain clear? Because he kept the main thing the main thing. Because he could center back in on the message of who Jesus was and spread that to other people. Verse 27, he drives the Philippians back to the main thing. You want clarity? Keep the main thing the main thing. He says this, above all, so let's get back to, the, get back to what really matters. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of, not the United States, not Greece, not Rome. Paul says, citizens of heaven. To get our focus back on who we are, who we are, and where our true home is. He says, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news, the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or hear about you, I will know that you are standing together, one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. He centers them right back on what truly matters. What truly matters. For Paul, the good news really, really mattered. It was the main thing. And for Paul, he was willing, he was willing to sacrifice his life. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to partner up. He, he was willing to then call the Philippians to that same focus. For a life that matters, the good news matters most. But what is this good news? I just want to talk a little bit about what is the good news. And Paul, when he was talking with another church, the Corinthians, he reminds them of their embracing the good news. They're trusting in the gospel. Uh, and, and so Paul explains it to them. He says, you embraced The good news, here's what it is. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said. Here's the message. This is what Jesus did. This is that good news. Paul also talks to the the Romans. And he's talking about what Jesus has done for us. and, And here's how it matters. He says, God will also count us as righteous. Not from our own works. Paul knew that didn't work. But God will count us righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He goes on to say, he was handed over to die because of our sins. This is why. 
And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to give his life so that we could know God, so that we could have a life with him, so that we could be saved and have not only a life with him today, but also a future with him forever. He made us right with God. And this is what we call the good news. This is the good news. And the good news is what we call the gospel. It's the gospel. We want to be gospel-centered. We'll clear the vision up. This is the message of faith. It's the key to our relationship with God. It's the key to the future. For Paul, the good news, the gospel, was central. For him, it was the reason to live. It was the reason to to give his life. It was the reason to, to go on. It brought him purpose. It brought him clarity. It was all about the gospel. The thing is, without Jesus, we have no future. We have no future. Without Jesus, this broken world, this economy, this political landscape, uh, this is as good as it gets. Anybody ready to groan? (laughs) Without Jesus, this is as good as it gets. But the good news, the gospel, can change all that. Can change all of that. Jesus, through the gospel, we learn Jesus loves us. Loves us so much he came for us. Loves us so much he didn't want us to get away and ran after us and brought us in. And Jesus loves me so much. Out of all the billions of people in this world, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. And he wanted us to have a future with him. And he came for us. And he offers us forgiveness. And he offers us a future. Jesus changes everything. He makes us right with God. And when we believe the gospel, we become God's children. We become God's children. And our eyes open up. And and our focus changes. Without this focus, I think life looks like this. Without the good news at the center, maybe we start clear for a little while, but it starts to drift. Without knowing Jesus, this this is how life looks. We lose the clarity. We'll lack what matters. We'll lose the purpose. And I believe most people in the world around us are so distracted living for themselves, pursuing things that they think will give them fulfillment, whether it's it's power or position, maybe it's wealth, maybe it's pleasure. For some, it's relationships. But that distraction doesn't ever bring fulfillment. In fact, those pursuits always end up empty. They end up empty. Has anybody ever heard of this guy here? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. If you don't, if you don't know football, you're not going to know that. But he has been in the, he's been in the news a bit lately, hasn't he? 
And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract a few years. Tom's, Tom's been playing a while. Um, and and he's, he's been in the news this year, and things haven't, well, anyway, things didn't go well for my team last week either. Uh, Tom's never been a friend of my Bills, and he's had a rough year, but he is an incredibly accomplished quarterback. He's won seven, seven uh, Super Bowls. Uh, incredibly accomplished quarterback. But way back early in his career in 2005, he sat down for an interview with 60 Minutes and Steve Croft, and Steve was asking him questions about what, what mattered. How, how, is he, how is he so successful on the field and off the field? And, and Steve's trying to drill in on that. And Tom gave a very, an answer most people didn't expect. It was a questioning answer, as if he had no idea. But listen to his words. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, I, I've reached my goal, my dream, my life. He pauses and he's thinking. He says, me, I think, no, there's got to be more than this. I mean, this, this can't be all it's cracked up to be. I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? Wow. Steve goes on to ask him. He says, what's the answer? He's still thinking that Tom's going to have an answer. He's so successful. And Tom Brady says this. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And Tom, Tom Brady has been on the top. He's had it all, and he is still searching. He's still trying to figure it out. This was early. It's still happening. Here's what I want you to know. Fulfillment in a me-centered life is an illusion. It's an illusion. We end up empty. We end up missing out on what matters the most. But with our glasses on, with those gospel glasses, I believe we can focus in on what really matters. We can find purpose in our life. Because those who focus on the good news aren't brought down by the bad news. Because we know that it's bigger than us. And it's bigger than this world. And our future and our home isn't just here. It's in heaven one day. And so we aren't sidetracked by the bad news we focus in on the good news. And the, maybe the struggle around us, like Paul, just helps us spread that news more. But it takes a different focus to look at the world that way. It takes being gospel-centered. When we focus on that good news, we won't be brought down with that bad news. And when we're not brought down with the bad news around us, I believe we get the chance to point up to Jesus. And our life has a new direction. And when we can be gospel-centered, gospel-centered people, you advance me again. Thank you. Gospel-centered people point people to Jesus. When we can have our eyes on what truly matters, we get a chance 
to point to the person who really matters, Jesus. It's easy to get sidetracked in those troubles. We can watch the nightly news. (laughs) We can focus in on the difficulties, but when we remember what Jesus has done for us and who we are in Christ, and, and when we remember where our true home is, we won't get brought down by the difficulties and we can thrive, clearly focusing on what matters most. Not only will this help us stand strong, but it will also impact other people. And I know that's easy to agree on on a Sunday, isn't it? That's easy to agree on on a Sunday. But what matters is what we do Monday. It's a little harder to focus in on the gospel Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but that's when we become gospel-centered. What if we put the gospel at the center of our lives? What would it change? Who would it change? Instead of acting and speaking and reacting in a way that elevates us, maybe instead we would act and speak and react in a way that points to Jesus, that shares his character, that shares his love, that impacts the people around us for his gospel. I want to share a, a tool that, to help put, us, put our focus back in that direction. Have you seen the, the pie squared cards? Uh, we can, you can pick them up at the Welcome Center right out the, the middle doors there. But we have, we have these cards. They're called pie squared cards. And they're, they're there to remind us to pray for the people around us that need the gospel. To invest in those same people and then to invite them both to hear what the truth is as well as to come with us as we, as we worship God and be impacted by that. On the back of that card is a, is a list where you can put down some of the people that you're praying for, some of the people that need to, need to hear the truth of the gospel. The question there, who's on your pi-squared list? Who do you want to impact for the gospel? And what, I would encourage you, take one of these cards, fill it out, put down several people that you want to impact, and then put that card where you can see it each morning when you wake up. And here's a way to wake up. Thank God for the good news. Put it center in your focus. Thank him for what Jesus did for you. Thank him for the opportunity to live for him and ask him for the opportunities to impact the coworkers around you, the family around you, the people around you. Pray for the gospel to impact them. And then, why not let us help you be equipped? 201. Often when we get into an opportunity, we, we have the privilege to share the truth of the gospel. Maybe, maybe we question, what do I say? <laughs> How do I approach this opportunity? I'm a little, little apprehensive. Well, 201 will give you the strategies and the techniques and the information to help you be prepared. And not just some uh, cookie cutter method, but multiple strategies where you can choose what fits you the best that will help you be ready to speak up for Jesus. Consider, consider the growth process. Uh, take, take your Connect card, write down, I'm interested in the growth process, allow us to direct you to a mentor and help you grow in sharing 
your faith. Share. I hope you do that. And why do I hope you do that? Because because gospel-centered people point people to Jesus. And I want you to know something about Berean. Berean, we we desire to be a gospel-centered church. That's our value. But being gospel-centered as a church is only as good as us, the people of Berean, being gospel-centered. We are what makes this church gospel-centered when we put the gospel at the center of our lives. Imagine if we decided, each one of us, to do our very best to live out Jesus in our lives, to point others to Jesus. What would change around us? How would life around us be different? How would the people around us be impacted if we put the good news glasses on this week? If we looked at life a little different because the gospel, the good news was at the center. Would you choose to make that journey with me? Would you join me in that process to put on those glasses? I just want to take a moment of reflection and prayer right now. Join me. and I want to speak for just a moment to those that maybe here have never trusted the message of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. If you've never made that choice, maybe you've sensed that there's something missing. And I just want to ask you this morning, If you know that you're imperfect, the problem is you can't come to God on your own. We can't work our way into salvation. But Jesus died for you and he rose again for you and he offers you a future with him. And I want to ask you today to make that decision to choose to trust Jesus with your life and with your future. To trust in that gospel to ask God right now as I, as I continue in prayer, to ask Him for His forgiveness, to seek Jesus with your life, and to seek Him as your Savior. And I would encourage you, if you make that choice this morning, to share it with another believer that can encourage you and that can help you take next steps. Dear God, God, I thank You for the privilege of knowing you. That that you didn't leave me in darkness. That you gave me a way to see the truth. And that Jesus came for me. That he came for every single person in this room. God, thank you for loving us that much. And all the people that pass us every day, that you came for them and that you love them. And may we have a different set of glasses to see Not just the problems, but the opportunities. That we'd put your good news at the center. Thank you for giving us salvation. God, if there's one here today that is choosing to trust you, thank you for saving them. God, help us to embrace your truth. Help us to step up and and choose to live that truth and to share that truth and to put your message at the center of our life. 
God, all of creation, you created to testify to who you are. And if we don't speak up, all creation will speak up. (laughs) Your creation is going to glorify you no matter what. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that right now. To praise you with our lives. And to step up and to share you with the others around us. May we choose to speak and say, while creation speaks, I will speak. And I will share you with others. In Jesus' name, amen.